listen to the New Chemists podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Our Deepest Fear by Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we, let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our deepest fear by Marion Williams. You are very important especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative. Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuche Mist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando, es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo, é significativo. Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό. Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. 
je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij Vinyl Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert, is veel betekenend. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico. Carlos Irza testo podcast to New Chemist. Welkom bij de podcast van Vinu Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste. Bem-vindo ao podcast do Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Travaillez dur. Soyez axé sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas. Trabalhar duro. Seja orientado por valores. Você consegue. Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista. Duepse esclirá. Na ovigita estinaxia. Boris na tocanis. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατάς. Τραβάχα δούρο. Σέα impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas, estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas.
Werk hard. Wees waardegedreven. Je kunt het. Je kunt groeien en leren. U kunt het verschil zijn dat u en uw gemeenschap nodig hebben. Geef niet op. We zijn hier om voor je te roten en te juichen. Geef niet op. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. by WD Wendell. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, but you think you can't, it is almost a cinch you won't. If you think you'll lose, you've lost. For out in this world we find, success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in the state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before. You can ever win the prize. Life's battles don't always go. To the stronger or faster man. But sooner or later the man who wins. Is the man who thinks he can. Remember. Strategy, hard work, collaboration, and execution. You can do it. You can do it. Okay, welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. It is so good to have you listening today. Here on the New Chemist Podcast, we discuss chemistry, which simply put, is the science of change, as well as careers, community research, successful student stories, and much more. My guest today is Samar Bahaj. Thanks for joining me today. It is so good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. So Samar is currently a student at Harvard University. A very, very ambitious young man, very hardworking. So I'll just give you some quick snippets, snapshots of his work so far. He has a part of Phi Beta Kappa, a National Student Leadership Foundation Scholar, Editor-in-Chief of Synthesis, President of World Pre-Health Conference, Student Academic Integrity Fellow, Harvard College on a Council. Um, He has served as uh, former chair for the Kennedy School Institute of Politics Health Policy Initiative, a John Harvard Scholar. He also served, so some of his experiences include serving as a research and policy intern at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. He's also served as a Washington, D.C. reporter for STAT, a teaching fellow and research fellow at Stanford, um, 
a founder and host of That Medic Network, and a research fellow at Mass General Hospital. He is definitely very accomplished. He has been for, named 40 under 40 in cancer. Um, he's also been named, he also is or has served as a journalist in the Atlantic, Time Magazine, Washington Post, Guardian, NPR. He has been a lead author and worked in the New England Journal of Medicine, The Lancet, Nature Medicine, and the British Medical Journal. Wow. So yes, Samai is definitely a treat to have you on this podcast today. You have done a lot of work and you have you earned your stripes. Are you earning? Let me say that you're earning your stripes. So thank you again for joining me. So as we get started, um, what have been your longstanding interest in the field of science and communication? Yeah, no, thanks, David, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I've been interested in science and medicine for the longest time, ever since I was nine, uh, really, and sort of interested in healthcare, health equity specifically, and sort of uh, this notion of medicine as treating everyone um, equally because um, it's the patient in front of you. Of course, the reality of medicine is much more complicated and nuanced, and that, that came with time. Um, but I think it's it's reinforced in me a, a couple things. One is that um, there is sort of the power of medicine to heal, right? I mean, that is essentially the, the function, and it's it's a beautiful function. I don't think there's many uh, professions where you have that opportunity to serve your fellow human being, fellow man, fellow woman in the, in that way. Um, and second, it, it sort of um, emphasizes to me the rift between science and the public. I think um, as researchers, both of us, we, we know very well how to communicate to other researchers. Um, we, we do that we do that through journal articles, we do that through conferences, and, and, and we can get very good at that. But I think what's more challenging, but potentially more important, is communicating with patients, communicating with the lay public. And that's sort of where my interest in science communication came in. I started off doing research, started off doing research since about 2018, 2019, um, and then growing increasingly interested in how can I make this research more translatable, more actionable for the public. And I think that sort of uh, started my interest in journalism, um, and which I started only last year in uh, summer 2022. Are you serious? You started this last year and you've done, made all the strides? So I look, forward yeah, to yeah. Seeing you, I look forward to seeing your journey as you progress. So what has been the toolkit that you've used? Yeah, no, I think it's an important question. I think it comes down to a, a couple of things. One is that um, if you're going to write for the public, if you're going to write for sort of this science journalism uh, places, um, you want to think about, have an eye for important questions, right? You mm -hmm. want to be able to see sort of what are questions that matter to people? What are they, what do people care about? What do they want to know about? I'll give you an example. Over the summer, I wrote a piece on malaria. Um, malaria in Florida and Texas. There was these recent five cases of locally transmitted malaria across mm -hmm. states. And it was something people were worried about, right? Um, so the piece I wrote was a simple explainer, trying to understand what this means, uh, why people shouldn't necessarily worry, but what precautions they could take. And it was, I mean, I mean, enormously well-read, right? Because it spoke to what people cared about, what, what mattered to them, right? So mm -hmm. one thing is you want to make sure that you have an eye for important questions and you're able to write about it in a way that's clear and compelling. That's the second thing, right? Being able to write about it in a way that's clear and compelling. Because... You can write about the greatest idea, but if it's not, if it doesn't mean much to the average person, right, then it's, it's no good to anyone. Um, so all that is to say is I think those are two really important toolkits, right? I for important questions, writing about it, writing about things in a clear and compelling way. I think there's also just grit that comes as the third part. Of course, right? of course. Because none of, I said I started in summer 2022. Um, I started off, um, doing freelance journals. Why did I do freelance? Cause 
I every journalism internship I applied for rejected me. Um, so I, freelance was the last resort, right? I'm um, mm-hmm. doing it on my own, um, mm-hmm. and I meant that I was sending in over that one summer. I was sending probably 500 to 1,000 cold emails, right, to different editors, trying to get them to listen to what I had to say, get them to wow. give me a chance, right? That's very um, good, dude. So I think it, it takes that sort of willingness to push forward through rejection after rejection after mm-hmm. no response, after no response, because you only need one yes, and then one becomes two, and two, and three, and so on. Yeah, I agree. You need to get your foot in the door. That's very, that's very commendable, dude. Over five hundred, you said five hundred to one thousand cold emails. Yeah, dude, that, that's interesting, dude. Because I wouldn't say I sent like five hundred to a thousand cold emails, but that same approach to being very tenacious. I applied, I employed the same thing. When I was at Georgia Tech and I tried to get a research position, um, mm-hmm. given that I was new to Georgia Tech, um, as well as in other places as well, but specifically in Georgia Tech, this is where I employed that same thing. At Georgia Tech, I sent emails to professors, and dude, I was really passionate, really, really passionate about research. I mean, like I would read the papers, and then start right. telling them what I think they could do, all the possibilities and future potentials associated with their cancer research and nanomass research and all that other jazz. But this is the thing, you know, didn't really get that many positions, didn't get any positions actually initially. However, the one position I got made the world of a difference because it allowed me to integrate and also meet the faculty who I otherwise would not have met through the summer undergraduate research experience in the College of Engineering. So yeah, dude, that's very commendable. So how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? You speak about having uh, to be tenacious, push past rejection. What, how did you, what motivating factor was in your mind? Did you have a community of support? Or did you have a lot of mentors who just reminded you this thing happens. How did you push through that rejection and keep uh, in sight the big picture that allowed you to progress to where you are now? Right. I mean, it goes to the core of why I do journalism, right? And mm-hmm. I think it comes down to two factors, the big and the small, to put okay. it simple, right? Um, the small is the patient, right? The patient in front of you, right? The mm-hmm. one-to-one interactions you have, right? And sort of the tragic stories you hear, but also the hope that you hear, right? Um, I spoke to a patient this summer who... Um, travels five and a half hours one way to get to her doctor's appointment right so 11 hours round trip right and she lives in this incredibly rural community um in colorado and it's it's so inspiring to hear that but also so tragic and it, it reinforces the rural disparities it uh-huh. reinforces this patient has obesity and she was going to see her obesity medicine physician it reinforces how valuable sort of medical care is for these patients right um and it, that's what motivates me, right? To push past rejection. That I have this story in front of me. I have this patient who mm. has trusted me with their narrative. Something mm. that, frankly, is, is not easy to share, right? Mm. And I feel, I feel not only in sort of a responsibility to justify their uh, narrative, but also to push past. I, how can I give up when I'm carrying such a valuable piece of someone's life? So I think that's, that's a small, and I don't mean that in that it's small important. I mean that it's in the, it's a one-to-one relationship. Um, then the big is sort of what is the cultural implication? What is the purpose of this? So on this story, this story was on the shortage of obesity medicine physicians in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the big picture? The big picture is that we do a terrible job of treating obesity in the United States. Mm-hmm. Only 1% of patients get a medication treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just simply do not treat it as a disease. We think of obesity as a moral failing, wrongly so. Um, so it ultimately becomes like, if we have such a drastic misunderstanding, this is such a big problem, right? Mm-hmm. 50% of Americans will have obesity 
by 2030. So the big picture is that I have to, I have to be doing something to set the narrative in a more positive, productive, less stigmatizing direction. Mm-hmm. So I'm by that too, right? I think it's sort of these dueling factors, not dueling, complementary, that keep me motivated even when you hear rejection after rejection because mm-hmm. there's a patient on the other hand and there's a social ill that, um, again, not many people are paying attention to. So I think that's what motivates me when, um, when it was quite easy to just step aside and give up. Wow, that's very good, man. It's very good. So you, the value in the story as well as the benefit of you pursuing the story is basically what kept you going after you pushed, even when you experienced rejection. So that's very good. So how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science communication? So what, when you write your articles, is it your perspective that you think is complementing to you being creative or how, how is it is the approach to the information? What is it that you bring to the table that allows you to have such success that you, the success that you've had to date? What is it yeah. that your creativity? What is it that's uh, driving it? I mean, I think it's uh, a couple of things. I appreciate sort of you calling it success. I mean, the, the, it's all uh, that I appreciate that. Um, but it's, I think uh, the first thing is sort of having a wide eye. And I'll tell you what I mean. Um, just sort of looking at across different disciplines, right? I've written about everything from lung cancer screening to sepsis machine learning uh, to pick heart transplants. Uh, to bladder cancer surgery recovery, right? Um, and there's benefits to having sort of this wide eye. You get to learn, learn a, a lot about different fields and you get to draw implicit connections that make your insights more valuable, more tangible. I think there's also something to be said about just um, writing in a compelling narrative way, right? Um, I mean, as humans, we re- we reach out for narratives, right? We, when there's a narrative around us, we, we just it's instinctive. And I think it's this field of creative nonfiction that I think is really um, worth knowing about, worth emphasizing. Right? Creative nonfiction is the idea of using fiction techniques, right? So fiction techniques, what is that? Like setting a scene, right? Mm-hmm. Character building, right? Drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and using that in a nonfiction sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, those are things we cling to as humans, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're going to be writing about something as potentially archaic or as potentially um, just in- intangible, like pig heart transplants, right? I mean, you and I, like, we have never seen a pig heart transplant. We, it's hard to even imagine that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you write about it in a way that's compelling and interesting and creative, mm-hmm. right, you draw people in and you can teach them uh, something or two about the science, something or two about the history, something or two about the ethics. Okay. So that's good. It's very good. So, yeah. Um, how have you sought out found the right environment to be a thorough scientific and intellectually? So, um, you're now at Harvard. You're at Harvard studying your undergrad. How was the process of getting there? What, what can you give us some insight into the story to getting there? What did you have to overcome? What did you have to do? What did you have to pursue? What did you have to not do? Right. Give or take. The Harvard admissions process is its own black box, right? Of sorts. Right. So I, I don't have so much insight into what I did, especially to get in there. But I, yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's just like my philosophy to life is doing sort of putting 100% in everything you do, right? And uh-huh. how, what does that mean, right? It means when I'm sort of doing this podcast with you, I'm going to put 100% into, of myself into it, right? Oh, yes. I'm sort of writing my art, an article for, let's say, Stat News, I'm going to put 100% into that. When I'm with my friends, right, and just chatting over dinner, I'm going to put myself 100% into that, right? Uh-huh. Uh, all that is to say is that I think each of these things are personally meaningful to me, um, and I want to make the most of it. And I think sort of that's a generally... Um, potentially a good philosophy in life at least I like to think so um, yes. and I think that perhaps that was why right that helped me get here uh, but I think more generally it's just being willing to try new things right being willing mm-hmm. to experiment being willing 
to test oneself in uh, different ways. I mean, journalism is the prime example of that, right? I, if you told me four years ago, right, that, or even frankly, two years ago, that I was going to be a journalist, right, um, or I was going to at least um, be writing for popular press outlets, I wouldn't believe you. I would have, I would have, in fact, laughed at you, right? Um, not because I, I think any less of journalism, but because I couldn't imagine myself being t- uh, being able to do that, right? I just like, oh yeah, it was totally out of the realm of possibility. Um, but here I am today, and it, that was just simply because I, I tried. And not everything you try is going to be successful. This is sort of the nice exception. Uh, but it teaches you something about yourself. It teaches you something about your interests. Yeah, I agree. And this is the thing. The thing that I hear echoing, like almost like an undertone, that's kind of effervescing, if you will, from this conversation, is the ability to be resilient. Yeah. yeah. Being resilient. And this is the thing. Resilient, resiliency or the capacity to be resilient is almost like a toolkit, if you will. Because you, when you become or you gain the capacity to be resilient and you learn the strategies that you need to push through adversity, you carry that skill with you to the next situation or next accomplishment or next challenge. Yeah, dude, I completely, I could relate to you in, in, in your, relate to your story in a lot of ways in that, you know, when I started undergrad, I didn't picture where I would be right now. I did not know. You know, the path to getting to where you are is, at least for me, it wasn't linear. It wasn't linear by any stretch of the imagination. But it's definitely, it's enjoyable when you see the fruits of your hard work. So what would you say has been one of your most effective and impactful pieces or ideas or practices or projects? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I think like uh, there's a couple of different answers I could give you. I could give you sort of a piece I wrote on Big Heart Transplants for The Guardian that has won uh, several awards. I could tell you sort of... um, a piece I wrote on sepsis machine learning, right? That came mm-hmm. after my grandfather died of sepsis and I wanted to find some way to uh, understand his condition and process it myself. And that came through the article. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, but the one I'll tell you for now is sort of the articles I've written on obesity for Stat News. I, I sort of mentioned one earlier and I've written others on sort of what is sort of the future bariatric surgery, right? Which is weight, weight loss surgery, or as it's commonly known. I've written another one on sort of um, what my doctor's do given that these new weight loss drugs seem to have some uh, protection of the heart. They help protect the heart and uh, against cardiovascular, uh, major cardiovascular events. Um, and I think the reason why those are so personally meaningful to me, and I and I hope impactful, is mm-hmm. that again we're sort of dealing with these enormous stigma against patients with obesity, right? Um, these people that are frankly, I mean, some of them who are just trying to find treatments, just trying to find dignity and respect in, in our society. Mm-hmm. And the power of journalism to me is not just in telling stories, right? Um, mm-hmm. We can tell stories in the campfire, right? And that's, that's valuable, but it's not just in telling stories, it's in the opportunity to change culture. It's in the opportunity to shift policy. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of that, right? Mm-hmm. For example, I wrote a piece in um, March on smoking um, and sort of how this one town in the US mm-hmm. is banning anyone born after January 1st, 2000 from buying cigarettes in the town. Right. It's a it's a really interesting law, especially a way to phase out, grandfather out cigarettes. Um, and just two or three days ago, uh, the United Kingdom, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced that they're going to implement a similar law in the country. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd written this piece um, in The Guardian, right, a, new, a major British newspaper. It's possible that one of his sort of cabinet members or uh, Prime Minister Sunak read it himself and maybe that influences his decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think journalism is uh, there's two lessons from that anecdote. One is that um, a lot of journalism is a just throwing things out into the ether, right? Um, mm-hmm. I will never know, frankly, if Prime Minister Sunak read my article, right? It's possible. Um, unless maybe, you meet him. Um, but, unless I mean, I so so. Um, but <laughs> I, I think 
I don't need to know. I think the uh, emphasis is I don't need to know, right? Okay. I, I've spread my information um, in a wide audience, read by hundreds of thousands of people, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I have faith that it will uh, influence policy. And I've taken the steps to try to put it into the hands of policymakers, sending it, emailing it to uh, people in the UK, people in Australia, other people who are considering this law. So mm-hmm. all that I to say is that um, it's sort of the benefit of that one-on-one approach that a doctor might take, right? Where you're able to really help a patient, you're really able to touch their life in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the benefit of the journalistic approach, where maybe you won't have as sort of personal connection, right? Or mm-hmm. as, as sort of immediate of an impact, but you have much more scale. And I think you need to do both. Wow, dude, this is very good. Very, very good. Like your, your persistence is that you, you email it directly to the people. That's good, man. This is good. Yeah. That's very good. So, um, how do you maintain a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments? So what practices have you implemented as a student? You said you're a senior, right? Correct? Senior? Yeah. yeah. So you're a senior at Harvard. Um, how do you maintain balance? How do you make time for the fun, um, yeah. the hard work, the future goals, and still keep a smile? How do you, how do you do all of that? Smile is important. You can do all three and not have a smile. That's a lot of important. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, work hard, but have trouble being happy. Um, yeah, no, isn't that something? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it goes back to something I was saying earlier about that 100%, right? And I really try to bring 100% to everything I do, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't do it like, I mean, the, the obvious question is then simmer. When do you have time for yourself? And I think for me, the work that I do, um, I, I've, I've deliberately selected it. I've deliberately uh, chosen it because it energizes me. It makes it is meaningful to me, right? In a way that um, is hard to quantify, right? Where other people might be, um, you know, tired or exhausted by the work. I, I feel even more energy, right, when doing some of these things, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think again, it comes back to big and small, right? I have sort of a very clear understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what the purpose is, mm-hmm. um, and that that is motivating. Now, it. It means that sometimes I have to make a sort of sacrifice. I have to decide oh, yeah. whether I'm going to do X or Y. I can't. I frankly can't do it all. Right? And I don't. I don't try to propose. I don't propose that I can. Um, so the question then becomes: Is that things come in phases, right? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe today I won't be able to go play tennis with my friends because I have this um, re- paper revisions that are due tonight, right? Um, so it's toggling back and forth and giving yourself grace when you're not able to um, sort of do everything that you might want to do, or giving yourself grace when you might have to pull out something that you really wanted to do. Um, and I think mm-hmm. be, it's really about being hard on the problems, right? being hard on sort of the issues, right? Um, but not being hard on yourself, oh, right? Wow. Um, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to have to write that down tomorrow. I'm going to have to write that down. And you keep going, keep going. This is good. This is good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all that is to say is that, I mean, the work that I do is, can be quite serious, right? We are dealing yeah. with people that are dying, frankly, people who are uh, just don't feel safe in the healthcare system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to keep a smile in my face and sort of be happy just more generally, um, not because it's sort of a farce or this like image in front portrayed into the world, but because I I don't want to burn myself out, right? I'm dealing with people's stories and I want to maintain them, right? In, with the respect they deserve and sort of enjoy life. When I'm not working on my work, I have to, I have to be enjoying life for what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even enjoying the work that it comes, right? I'm dealing with serious things, but it, I'm also enjoying the opportunities that I have to spread awareness about this, try to motivate policy change, try to motivate culture change. I think that's a large reason why I do journalism because mm-hmm. it's a powerful way to change culture. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I'm all about giving people grace and giving yourself grace. Yeah. I, I, that, that aligns with my faith perspective, faith perspective and faith tradition. Right. But yeah, dude, this is the thing, you know, in, in a similar way, that's the reason why I've done podcasting. 
And that's the reason why I've done like science communication, even in some instances, written books and then made them completely free. So yeah, that I've written articles, literature reviews that took me very long times, a very long time, and then just made it completely free. Now, some may question why make it free. You could charge. That's a different conversation for a different time. But the purpose of all of this has been towards changing the way people perceive chemistry education and chemistry concepts to make right. it more accessible, to make the correct insights, saleable, salient information from people like yourself, people like Dr. Langer, people like Dr. Marianne Brown, people who are big players or who will be big players like yourself in the science community, um, having them share their strategies and insights and methods of processing and methods of decision making and methods of going through transitions in their careers and in their personal life so that other people can benefit from it. And of course, the, the metrics do reflect that it's progressively becoming uh, more and more received. But so how do you maintain teamwork and vision in your classroom and in your workspace, in your projects? Um, are you, do you have collaborators uh, often or is this primarily the work that you do by yourself? I mean, everything I do is a, is, is a team, is team effort, right? There's nothing I do that's on my own, right? I'll are tell you, are you sure? You sure? You seem like you could do it yourself, man. <laughs> no, I mean, I Every, everything comes down to a team. And I think, oh my goodness. I think like sometimes people ask me, how do you do all that you do? I, because I'm not doing it alone, right? I'm doing it as part of a team. It takes the village, right? And yeah. I mean, I'll give you a couple of quick examples, right? In every research, there's not a single research paper I've done where I have, I'm the sole author. Right. Um, it's always as part of a team. I'm always leveraging other people's insights. I'm learning from them. Hopefully they're learning something from me as well. Right. It's, it's a share dialogue. Um, on my journalism, right? Um, I might be the person that's listed on the by Simmer Bajaj, but really there's an editor who has been my sounding board, has been editing my piece, uh, thinking through the structure. They're my sources who have informed me. I mean, journalism is really a opportunity in humility, right? It's a class, it's a class in humility because in every conversation I go to, I'm the least knowledgeable person in the room, right? Um, so it really teaches you how to um, learn and listen, right? right? And, and and bring them into the conversation. It's a team effort. It's not just uh, the journalist writing about someone. It's a, a journalist writing with someone. Um, and I think that's sort of like the, the teamwork is ultimately essential because um, there's only so much I can do. There's only so much that I I want to do just to, with my expertise alone, right? There are unique synergies and unique opportunities to partner and make something that's bigger than uh, the sum of its parts. So I think all that is to say is that the teamwork comes in every aspect of my life. And I, I couldn't be here with, without sort of like a village, literally a village of people behind me. That's good. The potentiating aspect of collaboration or the synergistic aspect of collaboration. That's, that's very, very good, man. That's very good in that, you know, um, collaboration. I, I, I like what you said. You said it's a class act in humility in that you are, speaking with people who have a degree of expertise that you may not have at this time and that's right. how that's many times the case with these podcast interviews some right. of the times i've been exposed to some of the material but these people have a niche expertise um like you yourself you have a niche expertise in the work that you do so yeah it's definitely a treat and an honor so why did you choose chemistry and history of science as well as global health and policy to focus on undergrad at harvard why did you choose those so I started off at Harvard uh, studying history of science and global health and health policy. Um, I think history of science is fundamentally a history of, uh, I mean, it's a study of change, right? At the very macro level, that's seeing sort of how trends and um, have, have progressed over time, right? How knowledge is produced, right? I think that's a critical question as we consider how to spread knowledge. How, how is knowledge produced, right? Um, what are sort of the um, 
context in which it is produced, shared, distributed. And I think ultimately, this is not just the knowledge that comes to some science that we care about in the present. It's knowledge that exists in its own time, in a whirlpool of its own context, like alchemy, for example. Alchemy sort of, we've never been able to figure out how to make metals into gold, um, but it's produced such valuable chemistry, right? Um, now, if you just study alchemy as the production of chemistry, you're missing out a large part of its context. You're missing out sort of um, the alchemy that was sort of, that doesn't lead to chemistry, but isn't equally important for understanding its context. Um, so history of science was sort of my opportunity to understand how knowledge is produced and distributed, which I think is incredibly important. Chemistry, I added actually like, um, frankly, this semester, this year, wow. right? Um, I hope my because, podcast influenced you. <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it did. And, you know, I the reason why was I was talking to an advisor and he's like, Simmer, you're secretly a chemistry major. I told him, no, 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 I'm history of science. He said, Simmer, you are two to three classes away from getting a degree in chemistry. And I was like, I was shocked and I, I found out I was secretly a chemistry major. So wow. decided to make it more official. Um, but you know, the way I see chemistry is not that like, I don't claim to be a chemist. Um, and I, 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 I think that would be, uh, false, false of me to say. What I claim to be is sort of use it as a way of understanding science. Use it as a way, I like how you framed it in the beginning, sort of change, right? That's what chemistry yeah. ultimately is, right? It is electrons moving between orbitals, right? It is photons coming oh, yeah. out. Okay. It, let's go to town. Let's go to town. If we can talk about chemistry, let's go to town. Right. I mean, it's changed at the micro level in a way that complements very nicely the change that happens in history at the macro level, right? Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. some teach me something profound that um, change sort of is frankly possible. The fact that things were so different in the past means that they can be so different in the future. It's, it's a message of hope, even as we face such serious issues as uh, inequity, as we face such serious issues as stigma. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's a degree of determinism there. And also, at the same time, as we see with quantum phenomena, there's a degree of uh, indeterminacy in that just because it's occurred in the past doesn't mean it'll necessarily be the case in the future. So that, 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 that in that indeterminacy, I would I would say, in my opinion, there's a degree of possibility. So yeah. we, we don't know what the future will bring. So therefore, we can plan and push and persevere for an even better one. Yeah, dude, that's 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 um, Heisen, that's almost like we're rattling around Heisenberg's ideas. But anyway, that's a different conversation for a different time. So what has been um, some of the most beneficial advice you have received as we wrap up? You know, I mean, it's interesting. And I, I've been so fortunate to have such great mentors, all of whom have given terrific advice. But the mm-hmm. um, advice that I always think of is sort of a Shakira song, right? A Shakira oh, wow. song. Oh, you like Shakira? I, I, I listen to everything, a little bit of everything. Um, there's, nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Enjoy your life. <laughs> the, song, the song is Try Everything, right? And okay. I think this circles back to, I think, one of the themes of the, just our conversation, right? That... You have to try everything because, um, not because you're going to do everything, but because you need to sort of understand what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and what sort of, you might not be good at, but you're willing to put in the effort because you really like it, right? Um, and sort of all that is to say is that, again, if I, if I never sort of tried journalism, I would have never realized that I love it. And the other fact that I'm, I'm semi-decent at it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I've tried a bunch of things. I've tried a hundred different things, right? I, I always like to tell friends about the story where, um, freshman year at Harvard, um, they have a club fair and I signed up for 20 different clubs, right? Um, and I just actively attending all the clubs, right? Um, and I mean, most people would say that's crazy. I mean, and I do think that's crazy. I don't recommend it, but I think it was important for me in the moment to understand what is valuable for me. What do I want? What do I like? What I don't like? And I think ultimately when you have sort of that opportunity to reflect, it, it's powerful. Yeah, dude, this is good. So Sama, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I wish you all the best in your studies. I look forward to seeing the nature 
and science papers and uh, who knows the Pulitzer Prize that you may win in the future. So take care and all the best. Welcome to the New Chemists Podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Our Deepest Fear by Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we and our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our deepest fear by Marion Williams. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative. Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuche Mist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando, es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo, é significativo.
Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό. Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. Je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert, is veel betekenend. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico. Καλώς ήρθατε στο podcast του New Chemist. Welkom bij de podcast van The New Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste. Bem-vindo ao podcast do Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here, rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Travaillez dur. Soyez axés sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas. Trabalhar duro. Seja orientado por valores. Você consegue. Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista. Duepses clirá. Na odigites tinaxia. Boris na tocanis. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. 
Minta para atrás. Trabaja duro. Sea impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas. Werk hard. Wees waarde gedreven. Je kunt het. Je kunt groeien en leren. U kunt het verschil zijn dat u en uw gemeenschap nodig hebben. Geef niet op. We zijn hier om voor je te roten en te juichen. Geef niet op. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.